0: Hi there, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to today's episode of the Strategy in Leadership podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor. In this podcast, we interview senior leaders and thought leaders to get their best practices on leading teams, creating and executing strategy, and fostering the culture within an organization that works. Today, my guest is Kerry Rome. He's the CEO at Cypress Resources. Kerry,
1: how are you today? I am doing wonderful, Anthony. Thank you for having me on your show. I can't wait to get into the topic I love. I know you love as well.
0: It's my pleasure. It was really cool when we, we got connected to look at your background. You got a bit of an accounting background, a bit of a consulting background. You got a leadership background. And now you're taking on what you're taking on at Cypress. So, I mean, that was a little snippet of it. But Why don't you tell people a little bit about how you got to where you are right now? And what do you really love most about your job?
1: Oh, gosh, thank you for the opportunity. I, uh, I call myself a recovering CPA, and, I, and the abridged version is uh, when I was a freshman in college, I was undeclared as a major, and I was okay with being undeclared as a major, but my father was not, <laughs> and so after the first year, he said, okay, Kerry, what is going to be your major going forward, and I said, I don't, I don't know. And he said, well, um, I'm okay with you not knowing. I'm just not paying for you to go back until you figure it out. (laughs) So uh, he asked me what I wanted to do, and I said, I want to own my own business one day. And he directed me towards my uncle, who had a very successful business. Turns out he was a a CPA and accountant uh, by trade. And so he directed me towards that profession, and um, that's what I did went through somehow, some way, passed the CPA exam, worked at Arthur Anderson, as you and I referenced before we got started. And that was that really opened my eyes to a multitude of, of really different types of businesses. And I just loved businesses. Anderson got caught up in the Enron scandal. Um, the Justice Department um, largely blamed Arthur Anderson and then came back two years later and said, we were wrong. We shouldn't we shouldn't have blamed Anderson. We should not have indicted them. Nevertheless, it changed my course. And it, it, it took me out of public accounting and forced me to jump into the middle of working in a business. I did that by accepting a role as a CFO and CEO of a small internet retail company. And I can get into some specifics about that. Great experience. It, it was, that was really more of a turnaround uh, than it was a um, uh, you know just to come in and execute. And then I um, had another company that I went to for a brief period of time before starting Cypress Resources. And I started out working on helping business leaders that, that didn't do a lot of what you and I are going to talk about um, and then sort of had problems as a result of it. I chased problems for the first year, five years of my business. In 2009, late 2009, I had CEO of a large organization say, that's not where I need your help. I need your help helping me think through the work that has to get done. But that I was thinking through that work twelve and eighteen months ago, and that's where I needed your help. And that caused me to sort of change things into what we what we work on now. We really work on putting vision and putting strategy to work. Once it's done, once you know where you want to go, man, that's where we take off. We build out a lot of plan. We help you get there.
0: Well, I mean, obviously, one of the reasons we wanted to chat was because you have a depth and breadth of experience. I think you're Uh, Your CPA mind, they all think differently. My father-in-law is a CPA and, and, you know, I know how he thinks, but really, you know, using those skills. And I think they really translate into taking that big picture vision and translating it into the execution piece. Cause I don't know if you found this, but talking to clients and, and listeners, you might look at this and say, oh, we created the vision and now what, you know, I don't want it, our plan to Peter off. I don't, I want us to keep momentum going and I want it to be, not just this big meeting that we do, but really something that produces lasting impact and supports us in in hitting our goals. So, I mean, that said, Kerry, I mean, what are your approaches that you've seen work or maybe some of the core tenants of what you do at Cypress that lead project to success, that take big visions and get them to the action planning? What are some things that you've seen work in that regard?
1: What I see most most often are really smart executives that invest a lot of time and energy into crafting a strategy, and they also spend a lot of time and energy into creating the PowerPoint, sort of the standard PowerPoint that we're going to present to the organization. And I see that's where uh, most things start to stop. They sort of get stuck on go the effort of creating the PowerPoint is something where you're starting to narrow down and simplify the message to the organization. The other day I spoke with the executive of a company and he told me he was in charge of this PowerPoint and I took, I just did math, I took his, the salaries of the CEO and the other executive team that were involved in creating this PowerPoint and that took the number of hours And I just took their total salary divided by 2080 times the number of hours. He's estimated 100 hours, and they spent almost $75,000 creating this PowerPoint to communicate to the team. That excludes the cost of the strategy itself. Now that's an internal cost, but it's a cost nonetheless, and it's really less of a cost and more of an investment. But if if Anthony, if I told you, hey Anthony, I've got an investment for you, it's going to cost you. $75,000, $75,000, and it's got a 90% failure rate when we go to execute. You would say you're crazy, but that's the failure rate of implementing strategy. So the, the the question is, how do we break that down? I say start with, if your strategy has, say, three to five key objectives, start with that. Who is going to own each objective? More than likely, there is an executive underneath the CEO that is in charge of owning uh, one of those objectives and start to break it down from that. And then with each of those different executives, at that point, how are they going to, to take it and understand their piece of the puzzle, clearly understand it, and then translate that into their functional area of the business? I think that's the biggest step right there. That's sort of step one.
0: Everybody has, I find, a slightly different approach, which is so great about strategy because there is no one right way to do it. It's whatever works for you. So in your, in your um, process, you take each objective, you assign it to somebody on the leadership team, and then from there, you know, what would you say are, are the next, like you cascade that down one more level. What would, let's say you have a senior leader listening. What should I do next?
1: Yeah, okay, so step two is to then take, that one objective and to break that the way we like to do things is to break that into key results or milestone goals. We do that in three 90 day sprints. Now why three? We, we, we all recognize four quarters in a year. However, the problem is there is planning, there's cleanup. And so we like to just break it into three 90 day sprints. If you're a leader, you think 12 and 18 months on the road, but most of your team is thinking 12 and 18 days down the road. So when we put something into a 90-day sort of goal and a key result that needs to be achieved, now they can start to get their arms around, okay, we can do this in 90 days. And then we just simply break each of those 90-day goals that have a key result assigned to them into three distinct projects. They're sequential. Okay, what what is the first thing we have to do? And after we do this first thing, what's the next thing we have to do? And, and after that, what's the third thing we have to do so that at the end of 90 days, we can say that we're on track to step into the second path of 90 days. And then we're going to assign a timeline around each of those projects. And Anthony, when I, when I say the, the term projects, most companies, you know, they think project and it's just sort of a, an overused word. When We say project, a project is just the content of the situation. Well, for us, what's the situation? the situation of that project is the 90-day goal with a key result. And what's the 90-day and, and the goal with a key result maps to the executive's 12-month objective. And guess what, that 12-month objective, those all tie to the overall corporation. So once we map that down with a project and a timeline, now I'm looking for a project owner. Not necessarily a project manager, but a project owner, someone that can get the big picture, but also be able to be able to see the details. And the most important thing of a project owner is, I, as an executive, I need that project owner to be able to come back and have a very efficient meeting with me. And we coach them, we coach those project owners to be prepared to have an efficient meeting by answering three questions. And we do this in our reporting piece. Number one, what's changed? Number two, how does that impact timeline? Number three, what do you need? Now, if you need something, we coach the project owner to then say, I I proactively went ahead and did a little research. Here are three viable options I believe would help me out. And then you're simply asking the executive as the project owner, help me make this decision. Help me make an informed decision so we can keep moving this forward. And of course, the last piece, is resources. It's in our name, but it is what are you going to need both internal and external? What are you going to need to get this done? The worst thing a leader can do is to charge their team with something and not give them the resources to get it done.
0: When you talk about the three distinct projects, are they three distinct projects for each 90 days or three project within each 90 day sprint?
1: Uh, there are three projects within each 90 days. So think about an executive or think about, let's say, let's say there are five key objectives that, that map to an overall strategy. Now think about it, it. There's an executive for each one of those objectives. There's an executive owner over each objective. With our system, that's nine projects per executive. That's 45 strategic projects in flight. That is a lot. That is a lot. So yes, it's three per ninety days. Now, all we're doing, Anthony, is we're breaking down things that might be, uh, we're breaking the tendency of creating a twelve-month or a nine-month project where people get they get lost as the overall outcome desired. They get lost in the nuances and the details and the exercise of the project itself, and don't quickly associate with a quick win. And a key result. And so that's what we're just simply breaking it down in smaller increments.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to summarize all this and then we're going to go all the way back up. So we have our however many strategic objectives that you have each strategic objective, you know, whether it's three or five, please don't do more than five. Uh, unless you got a huge organization, we will save that for another time. Uh Then you break it down into 90 day sprints for each of those 90 day sprints. You have three projects that go uh within it because it's, you know, really breaking it down, making sure that you have key results and milestone goals for each of those. Um, There's a project owner for each of those. So there's a objective owner, a project owner, and then in those efficient meetings, You ask three questions to make sure the project stays on track. What's changed? How does it impact timeline? And what do you need? And then throughout that entire process, making sure that they're sufficiently equipped and, and, you know, giving them time, money, people, overall resources to help make those projects a success. Is that the approach? Fantastic. So that's going all the way into the, into the weeds, into the execution. And I think it's an awesome strategy. Let's go all the way back up and say, let's say you're a CEO who isn't used to this level of strategic thinking. Because at this point, you know, we're talking about project planning. We're talking about execution. We're, we're getting all of that stuff done. But I know that there's some people and who have grown exceptionally successful businesses, you know, multimillion dollar businesses without a strategic plan. They just go about things and things seem to work. And then so, When you approach somebody with this plan, and and I know that when I approach our clients and say, hey, you know, let's do a strategy meeting, you know, you have to have, you know, quarterly check-ins or monthly check-ins, they say, hey, we don't have the time for that. But by the way, I'll I'll have to mention, we also, we throw in our PowerPoint. So that's $75,000 included right away in our uh, strategy recap, but how do you get people on board to for them to recognize, you know, these meetings, these project ownerships, this strategic work, even as like a percentage of the time that you're spending it is in fact, an investment and not a cost. How do those conversations go for you and for our listeners? You know, how can they maybe if it takes convincing of upper level leadership to say, hey, you know, we need to start putting some investment into strategy or, you know, we're under resourcing our strategy and. And it's showing in our ninety-five percent project failure. So, how do we get the ball rolling on strategic thinking from an organizational perspective?
1: Yeah, well, as you well know, um, getting that CEO's attention is one of the hardest things to do. Uh, when, when I get an executive's attention, and, and sometimes the CEO uh, may not drive strategy; it may be the CFO, it may be the COO. Um, but when I get their attention and I show them. Our one page system, where for an executive owner of a key objective, we can demonstrate on one page, very, very clean and simple, all that they have in flight, their shoulders go down, they all of a sudden, okay. And literally, when I say see, I literally mean they can visually see all that they have in flight. Now we have a drill down mechanism where they can quickly see the project owner and the, and the details of the project owner, not a project plan. When I say details, I mean one page. But when I demonstrate that to them, they say, "We need this. We need this." And they need it because they go from strategy to tactics so very fast. Now, I describe it as a if 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 the if the strategy creation in the PowerPoint the PowerPoint itself is equivalent to A jigsaw puzzle. On the front of the jigsaw puzzle, imagine a beautiful beach scene. And you stand in front of your team and you point to the jigsaw puzzle and you say, this is the destination for 2019. This is where we're going in 2019. And you get everybody, they can visually see where you're taking them. Most companies then take the pieces, dump the pieces on on the table, and then go hide the cover. We think it's critically important for the executive to be able to visually see all that they have in flight. 45 projects is a lot. You need to visually be able to see it. You need to quickly, efficiently be able to grasp the high-level details that require a decision for those projects. That's what the executives need. They don't need the nuances of a project management tool.
0: A part of me who wants to ask you about culture and how you get the people bought into this. And part of me wants to ask you about risks, Is in what risks have you seen if somebody listening is taking this on their team and they want to like implement this project management approach, you know what are some things for them to be concerned about? So I'll give you two paths. You can choose your own adventure in this one. You want to talk about culture or do you want talk about, to talk about risks?
1: Well, why don't I talk about um, both? I'll start with, uh, with culture because it is a shift when you start to uh, lay out the clear path. And by the way, the leader oftentimes may be the cause of some of the problems. If there is a leader in an organization that says, this is the destination, this is where we are going, they shift over. In, In one month, they change the plan a little bit. The next month, they change the plan a little bit. And the next month, they change the plan a little bit. The team is not going to know what they need to focus on. So, the culture of accountability really starts with the executive leader and the disciplined approach that, that you're going to introduce. That is something that's got to come from the, the, the leader that says, I believe this is our best opportunity and this is our best, pa- best path forward. And they're going to commit to that discipline. Now, when you do that, the second part of the question, more than likely when you talk about growth, strategies, when you talk about doing different things, when you talk about stretching the organization so you can become better, what I've found is that you're going to experience two different things, fight or flight. And so most often, the people that are going to fight early on, they're just a little bit quiet to a no approach. The people that are going to flight, they're cheerleaders early on. And understanding that when you introduce something new to the organization, really what you're doing is you're introducing change. And that, that, that creates some level of uncertainty. And so we want to eliminate the uncertainty, make sure they're very clear as to what I need you to own. And that this is not going to be changing every six months because, or every month rather, because I want you to be successful. And when you do it that way, when you do it with that approach, you eliminate the fear that if I do this, this might eliminate my job. And you eliminate the fight that this is going to change and I'm not comfortable with it. And so I'm just going to fight it and resist it. But it's that commitment to the process that's really start from the top.
0: In terms of getting the team on board and I interpret that as a risk of not getting people on board. The CEO, the leadership, you know, the strategy owners really need to be aware of a the importance of the project kickoff or the strategy kickoff communicating the why in terms of you know this is the importance so like showing the front of the puzzle box and letting them see it at all times and then keeping it alive but then also like sticking to the plan until completion and making sure that you know we complete the puzzle instead of you know oh this puzzle's too hard or oh i'm onto a different puzzle i saw something different i like because it'll burn people out and you know they'll just get frustrated is that sort of what you're saying and it cut out a little bit on your side so
1: Here's some research from Harvard Business Review. Eighty five percent of companies follow up on strategy less than one hour a month. So think about all the work that goes into strategy. Think about all the investment for the PowerPoint and they don't follow up on what they say they want. If I'm a business leader and I craft a strategy and I present a strategy. But, I don't have a system for following up. for a describing what I wanted at a at a uh, at a detailed project owner level and creating a path for my team, and then follow up on what I say I want. What does that demonstrate to your team? It demonstrates that I don't really care about what you're working on. If you really cared, you'd follow up. And I think that is that the you know you you've said it precisely. It's a commitment to a being confident in your plan that's you, you you're you're that's your work you're helping these companies become confident in their plan but the confidence in executing the plan that's the piece we do that's the piece that we're working with them because you can have the best plan but if it doesn't get executed what's the point
0: just in terms of a, a, a logistical question, you know, if somebody spends an hour, fifteen minutes, they're already in the top fifteen percent of strategy execution. But how how, how often do you uh, recommend having those efficient meetings to check on the projects, to check on the objectives? And um, do you have a best practice? Is it is it de- a, like client dependent? Is it project dependent? You know, what are your thoughts
1: on that? Well, we we don't like anything preset uh, because I think it depends on the project. It depends on the pacing of the project. You'd be waiting on information. You also uh, don't need to set an hour long meeting to follow up on something that could be done in an email. I think the, the most important thing is how often are we going to touch base? And then what updates do I need as an executive to know whether or not I need to help you with an informed decision? Because I need to know as an executive that if, if I assign you as a project owner, I need to know that you are going to bring me the information I need to support you in making an informed decision. I need to be able to trust you to do the work. And if I can't trust you to do the work, I've got the wrong person as a project owner. If I have to help you as an executive, if I have to help you decide on which project management tool you're going to use to track the work that you say you're going to own, I've got the wrong person running the project. So we make executives more efficient by condensing the amount of time, making that meeting more efficient by coaching their team and bringing the resources to their team to make sure that they're moving it forward and they're prepared to have informed conversations the whole
0: process the whole structure the whole system and strategy as a whole is about empowering leadership to get a get things done to drive business results but it's also an opportunity for them to delegate and empower people on their team such that you know you're sticking with what you should be doing which is you know 30,000 feet stuff and letting other people do the project management aspects um and then you know you don't have to put out fires you get to supervise and support instead of guide uh instead of manage so Really appreciate uh conversation today, Carrie. Um, How can people get a hold of you?
1: Oh, gosh, Anthony, thank you for having me. I enjoy the conversation. I am very active on LinkedIn. So C-A-R-E-Y is my first name, Rome, like the city in Italy. That's my last name. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, and I'm pretty active, love posting. I, I do videos and, and post, and just anything I can do to help out, I would love to do it.
0: Fantastic. I sincerely appreciate it. I really look forward to, to sharing your podcast with our listeners. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, my guest today has been Carrie Rome, who is the CEO of Cypress Resources. Thanks again, Carrie.
1: Thank you. Thanks
0: so much for joining us on today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate it five stars on iTunes, Stitcher or SoundCloud. And if there's somebody in your network that you think would enjoy today's episode, send it to them in a link or an email. Once again, my name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us and until next time. If you're getting ready to lead the strategic planning process yourself, be sure to check out our strategic planning toolkit. It has video walkthroughs to guide you through each step in the planning process from vision to action planning. We'll also have workbooks and downloads to document your plan and best practices to help get your team bought in so the plan gets executed successfully. You can get instant access to all the tools, all the templates, and all the downloads at smestrategy.net slash course.